Welcome to Neurodivergent Space Time. I'm your host, Sarah Schatz. I'm autistic and possibly ADHD. I'm also an author, artist, academic, and parent. This podcast is an experiment in creating a neurodivergent space. That means I won't be masking, I won't be performing different energy levels than what is natural at the time. I won't be editing to make myself sound more neurotypically professional or articulate. This is just me. Let's go. I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Morgan Harper Nichols. You may know Morgan's work from Instagram. She's also written three books and made products for lots of different stores. Morgan is an autistic artist, poet, and musician. We have so much in common, we basically forgot we were podcasting. There's links to everything we mentioned down in the show notes. And without any further ado, let's go. I have the recording already going partly so I don't forget to turn it on but also I've noticed I'm like really rusty at podcasting and when I do the whole like hi let's talk as people and then I turn on like my podcast mode it kind of messes everything up so I thought maybe we'll just go super casual and like talk as humans and put it out there (laughs) yes we are on the same page everything you just said I'm like yep that's that's my experience every day. So <laughs> do you want me yes. to record on my end too, just so you have sure. it? Sure. Yeah. It just, never hurts to have a backup. Yeah. I'm like, it's always just one less thing to worry about when it's like, I always feel like, and it's like, okay, there's multiple versions going, which funny fact I found out, I mean, it's not really funny, but fun fact, I guess. <laughs> I casually mentioned that to my dad who doesn't, he's not a podcaster, but he was a pastor and, and preached, and my grandfather mm. was too. And he told me something about my grandfather, who we think could have possibly been on the spectrum. And he said that even back in the day, like my grandfather always, anytime he spoke somewhere, he always had like three tape recorders going, which is so funny to me. He was like, he was always just like so particular about having multiple versions of things. And I was like, that's so fascinating. I never do that. And I do the same thing. So yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Why. I yeah. <laughs> I heard a podcast recently with Neil Gaiman. Like he, before he started writing his own books, he was like yeah. an interviewer person. Like, You're right. Yeah. And uh-huh. he, he lost a really important interview because he didn't have a backup recording. And so he's like, oh. I always have a backup recording now. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's like, why not? So yeah yes, well, but my dad point. was a preacher too so like really a lot oh my of goodness I know <laughs> and like our kids are the same age it's wild <laughs> it's crazy yeah I'm yes. pretty sure my whole family is like some flavor of the spectrum we just didn't know yeah. back then yeah so yeah. it's really fascinating yeah it's really interesting looking back now like different family members and different things I'm like oh it makes sense like Mm. (laughs) so (laughs) yeah I'm I'm I am glad to know now like it's like I wish I knew earlier but I'm glad I know now I'll just say that yeah yeah (laughs) I'm glad I know now it's really interesting like I've got my tangle here um I love it it's really interesting having 
a kid and thinking about like because David's already been diagnosed as autistic Mm -hmm. and we just know that about him like that's part of how we understand him and how different Mm -hmm. that is from growing up and thinking that all of my autistic traits were my character flaws Uh yeah yeah it's yeah that's definitely my experience I feel like I'm not I I feel like I spent so many years thinking that I I was like oh there's just so much I need to fix about myself one day I'm gonna grow up one day I'm gonna grow up right and I I don't know if you feel this way about creativity and I, I would love to hear your thoughts on this too but I feel like in a way I don't even know what a I'm like is my is autism causing the art like in a way like I don't like I'm like I can't even imagine what it because when I think about everything that was informing because I used to write stories all the time as kids as a kid um I had like this really really like robust imaginary friend world like they were friends outside of me like they had like a whole other universe that they belong to like it was so in depth and when I think about all of that I was just like I was just trying to cope like all of that was me trying to like find a way in the world and I feel like people would see that as a kid like oh she's so artistic she's so creative which I was but I don't think I'm able to separate it like separate neurodivergence from the art like I feel like it's all tangled up yeah 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 I think I'm learning that too like before I had a kid, I was always doing creative things, but I didn't Mm -hmm. know why. And I was diagnosed like seven years ago. So I've had a little time to wrap my head Mm -hmm. around it. But once I had that diagnosis, I didn't really change anything about myself. It didn't change that much about how I viewed myself. And I, cause I could mask at such a high level as not a parent. Uh And I had all this flexibility with my time. I worked from home. And so I was able to meet my needs. I think all I did when I was diagnosed was like, get rid of some clothes that were uncomfortable. Mm, Yeah. But like having a kid, I have so much less bandwidth because my sensory overstimulation is like on a daily basis, I reach my threshold with that. And so I realized that my creativity wasn't like something fun I like to do, but like an essential part of how I process the world like how I Mm -hmm. understand the world and how I self-regulate and when I Mm -hmm. don't have time for it I go to Mm -hmm. like a really dark place yes yes no that is that's where I'm at too I I definitely remember just that yeah that time of like having having my son and then the period after before my diagnosis like I just thought the world just I don't know how to explain it like it was just like I don't know what this is but I feel like I'm not quite doing things as I was doing before Mm. if that makes sense like it, it just felt so different and I think one of the things that stood out to me the most was I was just so suddenly aware of my physical body in ways that mm. I hadn't been before like I I'm very in my head like for me it just feels like my head is just like bobbling on top of this body and <laughs> then I'm like oh yeah remember that <laughs> thing um <laughs> I'm very in my head a lot a lot of the time so for me it was it was just like okay now I've got to like 
healthy in my body. And I was like, what does that even mean? Like, I've always been in it. So it was, I still don't know if I have words for it, but I just feel like I was suddenly very aware. And also too, I really wrestled with like, I know that I just became more tired, but then at the same Mm. time, the masking thing, I think I was always tired. And I think it was just like, well, now you're just, more aware of it now because you have this other person you have to take care of so you have to like, <laughs> right. wake up earlier but when I reflect on it I was like oh actually I think I may have been pretty tired before and I think I'm just more aware of it now like I can remember years before you know having a child where I would just lie still for just hours sometimes like in darkness <laughs> like just waiting for the sun to set and like I'm just like, I physically just don't feel like I can do things. So I'm like, yeah, it was there. But I think, you know, without knowing I was autistic, I just thought, oh, life's just overwhelming. Everybody does this. Everybody just gets tired all the time. Everybody just always feels overwhelmed. I'm just not seeing it because they're not seeing me do this. So yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a very strange, strange thing. (laughs) And like, I feel like I'm still finding words and I feel like the one thing that kind of ties it all together which is not it's not like a tying it all together like it all makes sense but (laughs) just tying it all together like okay something's happening here is I've just started to realize that 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 time itself is just like there's no I'm not running out of time to make sense Mm. like my life before and also dream of a new future because it's like if I sit and try to make sense of all these decades of my life up until this point I and I think I did that when I first went through the diagnosis process I was like okay all right what year do we start at let's start with first childhood memory and I would just like (laughs) kind of try to like make sense of it all and I'm like you know what there might be some stuff that I don't even realize about my teen years until 10 years from now and that's okay. Like, I'm going to just pace myself through it. So that's been kind of the biggest thing. Cause <laughs> once I start talking about it, I'm like, oh boy, like there was a whole, <laughs> I forgot about all that. I forgot about all that. And that gets yeah. overwhelming. It's a lot to, it, yes. lot to process. I love anytime you do posts or poems about that, you have time because I think I just yes. always <laughs> feel this urgency. Like it's like, mm-hmm. once I have the idea I have to do the thing. And that's one big change with parenthood as well is like, I can't always physically do the thing. And so I'm still working on like this backlog of ideas that I created when I had a newborn, my kid is four. And I I still have like this list in my phone. That's like, these are art ideas that I want to do. And I'm, I'm just now able to like start implementing some of those things. Oh my goodness. I can so relate to that. Yeah. There's just even about 30 minutes before we're talking today I so I've been working on 3d art in the background for like I'm on year three now (laughs) and the output is very small considering the amount of time I put into it but it was such like I, I, I was noticing myself like when I would try to work at it at different points like say a year ago or two years ago I would just get so frustrated with myself because I'm like, mm. oh, this is not enough time. Like, even if I, I was able to spend like two hours on it, like at 11 p.m., I'm like, I must stay up. I must do more. It's like, or, you know, this one little, like, I'll, I'll explain very specifically what I did. So I was working on this 
little there's this app called twin motion it's my favorite 3d app because it's you don't have to like know if you've ever played sims you can like understand it a little bit like it's not it's not like the most advanced or a lot of advanced was out there so all i did in this 30 minutes was play some trees um and place a wall and like a table against the wall because i want to go back in there put my art on the table and like film it and i was like from a productivity standpoint, that was not that much. I didn't get a final product from it. I didn't get, it was just like, that was like 30 minutes. That was all I had. And that's okay. I enjoyed it. And I have to like be okay with, like when I close, when I saved the tab and I was like table outside and I named the file that, I don't know when I'm going to open that file again. <laughs> like it could be next week or I don't know. And it, And I'm learning how to be more okay with that. Like be more okay with like the the liminal space and like the gaps yeah or even what I perceive as gaps because they're gaps but then like all these other little things happen inside the gaps too so yeah trying to trying to make room for that <laughs> yeah yeah I definitely used to work in these big long chunks of time where I would like I wouldn't even remember to eat unless I set a timer mm -hmm. like I would basically yeah. sit in front of my computer I don't know a really like the whole work day and then some yep and now it's like okay I might have three minutes or I might have 15 or yeah. if I'm really lucky my kid might fall asleep in the back seat of the car and I'm mm -hmm. stuck in the driver's seat and I'm like what can I do with this time that I have no yes. idea how long it will last but mm -hmm. let me enjoy it while it's here yes I yes I I definitely have that same thing <laughs> I have that same thing because it it just feels like the time and you know even outside of parenting I just feel like since 2020 you know work life has become just so it, it, for me at least it feels just so much more sporadic like if I'm doing a collaboration or something I feel like the time like time zones like I just feel mm -hmm. like there's always so much going on so I'm finding it harder to find those longer periods of time because I'm like you I can sit there for a long time in this chair and then I'm just like oh why is my neck suddenly hurting it's like yes. oh you didn't even stretch it like <laughs> you just like <laughs> drug yourself in here at 7 a.m and you haven't moved so that's probably why <laughs> like why are my hands cramping it's like oh yes. maybe you should stretch <clears throat> them or something so yeah I definitely have that and and it's been very yeah I, I find myself like having a lot of strong emotions like when I have to stop and take breaks when I know that I can go deeper and I know that I can go further like that's that's really that's really yeah. hard that's something that I I want to I'm not saying that I can but it's like I want to solve this like mm -hmm. or at least trick myself into thinking like this doesn't have to be a bad thing so I, I'm I think right now what I'm looking for is like okay what are the little I don't even like saying hacks but it's just like what are the like new different things that I can introduce or reintroduce that remind myself that it's okay to go in and out of things like just last night I opened I didn't even know it was on my computer I guess by default I, Apple Books is that what he, I don't even know what it's called yeah like the okay books. the Kindle for Apple yeah it's just called books yeah I didn't even know it was on my computer <laughs> But my husband uses it. And now I was always like, why do you use that? Like, I didn't even, I didn't even, no offense to Apple Books. I just didn't know there was an app on the computer. Like, And I saw him 
Um, and I've actually done something with Apple Books, so I probably should know that. I knew it was on the phone. <laughs> Correction. I knew it was on the phone. It was right. on the iPad, but I don't. But not on the computer. I didn't think about it as like this whole entity on the computer. So I opened it on my computer. And why was there a full 350 page novel that I wrote for NaNoWriMo National Novel Writing Month 10 years ago? <laughs> Completely forgot about it. Like, full novel beginning to end just sitting there i was like who am i like i haven't even thought about this for 10 years and immediately it just made me want to start writing more fiction and i mean i've been talking about that more about wanting to do that but it was it was such a reminder to me i was like hey morgan that was 10 years ago and that's okay like so much changed between that and now and you did so many other things like i wasn't making digital art then I think I tried procreate at that point but I wasn't even I wasn't even anywhere near doing what I'm doing today nowhere near that that wouldn't come for another four years from that point and it was just such a cool thing to look back and see that that version of me would not have been satisfied with the fact that I had written a novel because that version of me would have been like, well, it's not published anywhere. Well, it's not, you know, it's not, I mean, there's <laughs> grammatical errors in it, you know, so it's not like edited, like there's no cover art, like nobody's asking for a novel from me. And that version of me finished that novel, like that's where I probably left off mentally and emotionally. Like, okay, you finished it, but no one's asking for it. There's nothing you can do with it. And now this version of me 10 years later is looking at it and I'm proud of that. And I'm like, who cares that no one saw it? I'm actually glad no one, I'm actually glad that no one didn't get published because that's not the one I would publish. Like the characters like drinking a pumpkin spice latte in the first paragraph. So I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I, I still love it. Like, I love that, but I'm like, oh, that it worked out. You know, I'm glad that it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it wasn't published I would I would have changed some things you know changed them a little bit but at the same time it's like it's so cool to look back and see something that I would have thought at that time was not good enough it was not my best work I didn't do the best with it and now I'm proud of it so now I'm thinking I'm like well there's probably stuff today what if mm. the 10-year version from me now is looking back on the files mm. on my computer today that I don't think are enough and I was like oh my gosh all your little 3d 3d files that you were working on they were actually like there was more to them like this was really cool work that you were just randomly getting into <laughs> for you know 30 minutes at a time so yeah yeah it <laughs> we have so much in common I also have the 10 year gap between what? like I used to do NaNoWriMo in like high school and college like yes. every year I yes. loved it yes and uh, the last one I did was like 10 years ago. And it was when I felt like I had to have a career and Same. this wasn't good enough to publish. Same. And Same. so I, I, it got a real mental block. And so I couldn't write anymore. Obviously, a, nobody's first draft is publishable. Mm -hmm. exactly. This is what I've learned in the last 10 years by mm -hmm. listening to other writers and authors stories. I'm like, oh, because I can see the flaws is actually a good thing because mm -hmm. I could go in there and fix them. If I thought That's it was so perfect, true. that would be That's so the good. problem. Yes. Yes. So yeah, we've got to write. But meanwhile, we have been writing books. 
That's true. So yes. <laughs> I yes. want to hear about this. And oh, I, my goodness, I self-published yes. a book and yes. I just feel like after doing that, like I want to go back to fiction and like, maybe I'll send it to a publisher. Maybe I'll publish it myself. It, And I don't see those things as like one being success and one being a failure mm-hmm. the way I did 10 years ago. Like it's yes. we've really come a long way. We have, and we have to give ourselves credit for that. I just love that. <laughs> I love that uh, we were just, before we knew each other, we were just like in our own little NaNoWriMo world. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I used to love it. I was so, I don't I remember specifically getting really into it because I felt like I was always around so many athletic people and they would like run marathons and stuff. And I was like, this is my version of a marathon. Like, <laughs> So <laughs> I was so proud of myself, but um, yes, yes. I, it's interesting because even though I, you know, stopped writing fiction, like that was, I, I guess I like looking at it on Apple books on my computer. I was like, I guess I just stopped there. It looks like I converted it to an ebook file. And then I was like, Oh, okay, there you go. That's it. You wrote a novel. And so after that point, I, I, I felt like I had to like, I was like, if I want to do something creative, it's got to have like a business, you know, it's Mm got to be. And at the time I have a sister who's involved in music as well. And she was already starting to, she started out on YouTube, but she was getting involved with like songwriting and like all these different things. So I was like, oh, songwriting, that sounds like a fun job. Like, let me, let me try that. So that became my ambition. Um, never, yeah, that never became like a full-time job, (laughs) but I did, I did get some really cool opportunities and I got to do a lot of music stuff, which I'm very grateful for. Um, but even that I had to start figuring out how to supplement. So essentially I just went on this several year journey of like always having a bunch of jobs at once. That's, that's honestly the easiest way to explain it. Like at any given time, I may have been a wedding photographer and a t-shirt. Really? Oh my goodness. goodness. We, we might have to just have like a whole, it seems marketable, you know? Yeah, we might, exactly. We might have like a whole spinoff something where we just go through all the things that we did because there's so many things you end up doing where you're just like, yeah. I know I have to do something you know to survive for this. I know exactly. I'm good at this. Exactly. And yes. it feels like it's the autism is the connect between why can't I, why can't people tell me I'm good at this? I know I'm good at mm-hmm. this, but yeah. why can't I get the marketing piece connected so that it can yes. become like a exactly. livelihood? Exactly. Um, yes. It, like, and, and I, other people yeah. just do it. Exactly. Like, and I, that's, I, what, I feel oh. like I've I spent 10 years taking marketing classes and business classes but they're for neurotypicals and they they just don't Mm -hmm. work for me and it's only after like throwing that stuff out the door and just trying to be more myself then I Mm -hmm. attract people who are more like me and like we get each other and like it finally started to slowly grow but as long as I was trying to fit myself in the neurotypical box it was never going to work exactly yes and I I can 100% agree with that that was that is my experience I tried to do networking events. Like I tried to like put myself out there, you know, make business cards, just do tons of free work (laughs) for all kinds of things. And like, I was trying to like get internships anywhere, uh, trying everything, everything. And it's so hard to explain because, and I'm not saying this is true for all neurodivergent people, but for me specifically, 
for me specifically, I am not a entrepreneurial minded person. Mm. Like growing up when we were kids, like lemonade stand, I was a kid who just wanted to make a cool sign and make sure the lemonade tasted good, but I didn't want to sell it. I'm like, why can't mm. we just make it and let people just let us know how we think. I, I never enjoyed that part. Like that was always my least favorite part was once it became the business part. So for me, I was, it was a huge uphill battle because it's like, well, I live in a society where, I mean, if you don't figure that out, like, unfortunately you don't have healthcare, <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't have just basic needs to survive. And one thing that I found to be very hard to explain, even from my books to everything that I've made is how much of it came from a place of necessity. And a lot of people don't understand that because so much art is marketed to us as like, oh, this person always had this talent and then mm. just became this star when really so many of us have stories of like, no, I had to do it. Like I didn't have another job. So I was just trying to scramble and put the pieces together. And at any given point, there were times where I would be like playing shows with my sister on, on like a, a stage somewhere in Wisconsin and after after the show, I'm logging onto my anonymous fiber.com account where I'm designing logos for people. And <laughs> I'm just doing anything that I can just get a little bit to survive. And by the time I got around to like 2016, 2017, I was just so burnt out by that, honestly. Like I just yeah. having to do so many little things. Um and, and also it has been somewhat uh it has been somewhat uh healing if i dare say to see a lot of um i've been reading about gig economy and how a lot of millennials and people who were workers in in the in the not past decade mm -hmm. had to deal with these struggles so that's been helpful I'm like okay so i wasn't the only one like there was definitely a lot not there was a lot of us but at the same time you know when you think about how social media is like you don't see all of that you don't mm. You don't hear that you just hear someone saying like oh i'm a wedding photographer oh i'm yeah I'm graphic designer or whatever you're just like well they have it figured out and i don't and that was sort of how i felt for a very very long time and then i think i just find well i know i finally burned out because for me the ultimate burnout was like being tired and broke like that's where i, mm. I was like i had learned how to do one of those for sustain you know <laughs> A lot of tired, a little broke, a lot of broke, but I got the energy, but I was like, no energy, no money and rent is due. And my husband working in construction, we were living in one bedroom apartment. Like there's just only so much we could do. And I was like, I got to do something. And I just felt, I felt horrible. Like I felt like, like I have, I, I'm, I feel that I'm very privileged that I have a very supportive family. And I think that makes a huge difference, but mm -hmm. Even then, I felt like I just let everybody down. Like, I felt like anybody who had ever hired me for anything or helped me with anything, I felt like I was just embarrassing. Like, I felt like I was like, this is so embarrassing that I'm just struggling all the time. And I I just, I felt like quitting. Like, I just kind of crawled up and was just like, I don't even know what to do. I feel like I can't survive. That's what it was. I felt like I couldn't survive. And, you know, now, I, now I know things about autistic burnout, you know, back then I didn't know anything about that. I, I just felt it's hard to explain, but it's like, I felt like afraid that I'm like, what if I can't survive? Like, 
I'm like, I have a spouse who works in construction. I hope he doesn't get injured. But mm. what if he got injured? Then, you know, he can't go to work. Then what happens? And that was just terrifying. Um, I also had a lot of health issues at that time, like physical health issues and didn't have health care. So that was very scary. So it was just a lot of survival a lot of survival related things of just like, how are we going to survive? How are we going to survive? Like, it wasn't, how am I going to thrive? How am I going to be somebody? How am I going to be a live a, leave yeah. a legacy? I hadn't even gotten to that. It's like, that wasn't even, it was just like, I'm just trying to figure out like, what does it take to just get like 60 days of not worrying all the time, 30 days, three weeks without worrying all the time. And, um, so I wrote a poem about it. I opened my journal and it was just essentially wrote a poem that was letting all that out of just, and it starts with when you start to feel that things should have been better this year. Remember the mountains and valleys that brought you here. And that was just me trying to believe <laughs> that, okay, maybe there's another side of this. I have no idea what it looks like. It's on the heels of tons of disappointment and, and, this feeling of fail failure, this fear that I don't even know how I'm going to survive. Um, and I uploaded it on Pinterest. And then that was in November 2016. And then in January of 2017, I'm on Instagram. And there are some people that I knew DMing me and they were like, hey, somebody's like sharing your poem like a poem that has like your name on it like I wasn't like sharing poetry at this time I don't remember who it was but it was like a few people that I knew and it was like a reality tv star had shared it from the thing from Pinterest and then there was like like an NFL player that shared it and I was like hold on wait a minute I don't know what happened here I don't even know how they got it like I'm like how is it on Instagram I was like, I didn't even post on Instagram. So I went back and looked at Pinterest and it had been repinned over a hundred thousand times. Wow. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I don't know when that happened. And the way Pinterest works, like it doesn't really, at least I've tried to find it, like where it took off, how, I have no idea. But that ended up being like the impetus for the work I do today. It was writing that poem and to be honest, you know, I would love to say when that happened, I was just like, oh, I'm a poet. I'm going to be a poet. Like, this is great. <laughs> but I was so just discouraged and anxious and, you know, autistically burnt out. Didn't know that then, but just so burnt out and so exhausted, just physically strained all the time um, and emotionally that I just looked at it like, okay, that happened, but that was probably a mistake and it's probably not going to happen again. But the thing that really broke me out of it was I started to get DMs from people who had read the poem and I was, and the thing that got me the most was the DMs from like these young people who are like 10 years younger than me saying that this poem really spoke to me. Here's what I went through this past year. And that just like completely broke me because the things that they were DMing me were far more intense than what I had been through. And I was just like, wow, this is not about me. Like whatever happened with that poem, it, it transcended and went far and spread all around the world beyond me in ways that I can't even comprehend. 
Um, but in a way, I, and I've never really explained it this way, but in a way, like, it kind of felt like, it kind of felt like an embrace in a way, because it's like you put something out there and you don't know who's going to find it or connect with it. But then like when someone kind of like, they kind of like, it's kind of like someone's bringing it back to you. Like, I found it out there in the wild. And I just want to let you know, like, this connects to me. And they're like, and it felt like, it felt like, oh, wow, this is like a, a like a hug. Like, it's like, oh, we're all dealing with this. Like, we're all feeling like last year was really, really tough. Um, and I was like, okay, I don't know what to do with this other than just keep talking to these people. And that was how my, my first book came about, All Along You Were Booming, my first poetry and art book, because I started to just write these poems that were really just responding to people who were talking to me um, because I, I didn't from like a merit standpoint from like a I had nothing to go off of in terms of like this is a good poem like there was no you know I had nothing to go off of so I was like all right I can do that I can at least talk to the people that are here and then the doodles kind of came along with that I started like doodling a little bit with um, just I've always loved drawing but again that's another thing with you know there's people who are very very technically good at art and um just kind of sidebar with you know being autistic I've seen a lot of other autistic people talk about that pressure of like people think that oh like the autistic stereotype of like a savant mm -hmm. and everyone has mm -hmm. to be really good at certain things and that could be very harmful because I wasn't good at art quote unquote in the technical sense as a kid I I got put in art classes and I did not survive because I was not, I was not able to technically follow, you know, the shading of the apple and all of that <laughs> they were doing in that way. I've since learned more now on my own terms, but back then there was nothing about what I was making as a kid that was like, oh, she's going to be, you know, this, this textbook artist. So I was just like doing little doodles because I was like, oh, you know, this is kind of makes the poem hopeful and just thinking about those people who are DMing me. And honestly, I feel like all of my books since then have have been some version of that, some version of like this, this dialogue, this between people who I actually talk to and and a dialogue between with stories stories that are in my head sometimes I end up writing them <laughs> um and sometimes it's just a hope that I hope to see for the world so yeah it's just, it just feels like one really long conversation just happening through lots of different media <laughs> through colors and poems and yeah yeah it's kind of how it I how love it that out. I love um I think too you know, I'll just speak for myself. When I when I meet someone new in a normal social context, I always struggle to like have that connect. But like with my art, I can just make something and it can exist. And then the connection, like it's like a deeper connection and it's more intimate and it's so mm -hmm. much easier somehow to like make a thing. And then like the moment that people connect to it, it's like, okay, I'm not alone in feeling this way, but I can't just like meet someone for coffee and like casually mention this thing. Like mm -hmm. I have to like process it and visualize it and like present it. And I feel like yes. that's where creativity is like this tool of communication for us as well. 
Yes, absolutely. And I was doing that all along and I didn't know. And what I found to be like one of, of all the, the struggles, what I found to be one of the strengths of, you know, being autistic is that I think that that, that can, all people can benefit from that. Like all people can benefit from, there isn't just one way of communicating, you know, <laughs> like how many things could be solved in the world by people just realizing, hey, the way you're going about trying to solve that problem, well, that person is a visual learner. <laughs> like mm. they need, they need, it, they, or they, they need to see, touch, you know, express. So you just talking at them, it's not getting across. Even if you're, if you're saying something like you have to turn the thing on the peanut butter the right way to screw it. You know, mm -hmm. if you're not showing them, they may not hear you. Um, like I remember this one time I, I got like, it was, it was at an air, airport and what didn't even happen to me, but I just got, I like, my body's like had a visceral reaction to it. Mm. There was this like young man who was walking in the wrong direction. And the, I guess the security guard TSA person yelled at him and they were like, how could you not see that sign? And he was like, oh, sorry, sorry. And he went the other way. And he, I was, I think I was more bothered by it than he was, but I was like, maybe he didn't see the sign. Like, first of all, you know, disabilities. And second, just because a sign is posted, sometimes people just by not hearing something or not seeing something clearly marked, they might be missing it. So that's something that I've just been thinking a lot about, you know, how I've ended up creating this whole thing where I really feel like I'm communicating through art. It's, it's like, I think this has application beyond just, you know, making pretty things. Like, I think it can really speak to, there's a lot of different ways that we're all communicating and there's a lot being missed when we all assume that we all communicate the exact same way. <laughs> and what if art class in school was about communicating and not about shading um, the apple in the tech with the yes, perfect yes, technique? Yes, you know? exactly. Like asking every student, draw anger, draw joy. And you could have an entire class discussion just on that. Because every kid's going to, even if, even if every kid went for the color red for anger, let's say everybody did that. Let's say everyone did, went for red. The way that they held the pencil, the way that mm. they, the, the, the tension between the pen and the page and the people who carved through the paper, the people who felt the need to fill the page, like you can have an entire conversation that you may never be able to get to in the English language without that aid, without that additional information. So yeah, that's something I, I've really been thinking about because I, I went back to school and and we've talked about that, which by the way, like major <laughs> shout out to you because you told me about alt the the um, oh yeah and, and, and yeah that whole experience <laughs> that was so cool. So yeah, I've been digging into a whole lot more about like what is art? What does it mean? What does it mean to be an autistic artist? And all the yeah, yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> yeah tell us about that yes like about was... deciding to go back to school and what you're studying and like let's get let's dive into that yes for me going back to school is without sounding dramatic but I really do think it is just dramatic <laughs> I really think going back to school is the first it might be the first thing that I really did for myself that was just like you need to do this for you. And it, and it didn't start off with, 
a whole sidebar list of okay, but here's all the other things that you know mm-hmm. that you have to consider. Mm-hmm. It 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 became that because going to school has a lot with it, and now I'm seeing how this degree can help with a lot of different things I want to do. But it started off from a place of me saying that now that I have this information about myself, which is big information, <laughs> that I'm autistic, that I have ADHD, and I have sensory processing disorder, um, I'm going. I I'm I'm going to need to be filled up. I'm going to if I'm going to be the the parent that I need to be. If I'm going to be the spouse, be the friend, be the sister, community member, family member. If I'm going to be need to be me and the best and the best version of myself that I can be I I need I can't do it on empty and Mm. I've been filling like the gas tanks hovering around empty for a little while (laughs) I was like I need somewhere where I can go and I'm not gonna feel embarrassed about my interest I'm not gonna feel like I have to keep masking my interest. That's something I want to talk more about because I'm like, yes, we should. I feel like I have to, ma- <laughs> like my interests, my special interests are a part of me in the same way that someone might be like, oh, I like to spend my evenings, you know, hanging out with friends, you know, on the back porch with a cup of tea, like whatever that version, you know, that's, that's how I feel about my interests. But my interests end up being things that if you look at me, they seem like just random hobbies that I have. Hmm. You know, I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, I literally survived. I, I did study abroad when I was in college. And I was like, I socially, I survived by realizing that I was in the same town that Tolkien was in when he came up with a whole concept for Middle Earth. And I mapped out my experience to what Tolkien created. I'm like, this is not a sidebar hobby. This is like... <laughs> I'm like, oh, this was like, like the air I was breathing to be able to make it through that experience. So all that to say, I was like, I need a place where I can go to just kind of get lost in that. And it's like, that's not, it's like it, the things I'm studying in school, I'm like, all of this, I don't even know. I can't tell everyone like how all of this is going to connect to everything, but I know it's, it's informing me and it's, it's like healing that inner child that inner teenager that inner college student that inner 20 something version of myself that felt like I just had to keep hiding parts of myself like hiding the fiction like even by the time I got to the novel that I ended up finish finishing I had worked my way into out of fantasy and into realistic fiction because I was like well that's probably going to be more accepted if I if I write this way. So yeah, it's, I feel like in a lot of ways going back to school has been like my version of just trying to unmask a little bit and trying to nurture like those things that, that really speak to me. And it's, it's a, it's a part of surviving, you know, it's, it's, I think most people would agree that mental health, whether you're neurodivergent or not, is important and if mental health's not in a great place then that's just going to affect a lot of things and I'm like yeah this is good for my mental health right now and it's all the the stress of life like I'm really really enjoying like watching random video art installations to write a paper about like <laughs> it's I'm enjoying that and that is bringing me a lot of life so yeah 
that's where it starts. Sounds like and- <laughs> you're in a really good program. Um, cause I think, it's you know, really with, good, yeah. with academia, it's kind of like the roll of the dice or, I mean, you know, oh, where yes, you end up, sure. not everywhere is like that, but I'm glad that mm-hmm. that has been your experience. Yeah, and I knew I needed to go online because I knew that I need to go online somewhere that was going to be more self-directed. Um, mm. and I think some people may want the opposite. And that's, again, we all learn and communicate differently. Some people may need more face-to-face or they may need more hands-on I was like I just need to go somewhere where I can just nerd out and like somebody says it's okay <laughs> yeah I love threats. it so yeah I love... it, no you're right though it does make a difference because I one thing I forgot to say is I actually tried to go to an MFA program right out of my undergrad and that did not work out for me because of the way the the program was structured I see how it could work for others but um it was very like hands-on, face-to-face, and that wore me out because I was having to worry so much about the socialization aspect of it that I didn't even really get to work on the craft. So yeah, I think there's, yeah, there's a lot to it. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about fantasy too, because you kind of threw that in yes. there, the Tolkien thing. Um, yes. <laughs> I feel like, you know, we've kind of come up through this thing. We're, we're trying to be professionals. We're like doing the mm-hmm. wedding photography, trying to find what's, yes. and I feel like somewhere along the way, I like stripped, I like cut off my limbs yes. and threw them in the back of the wagon. And it was like, this part is not on brand for me. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, maybe I would try to make a secondary account where I could do that yes. thing, but yes. it wasn't part of me. Like my yes. artists, fine artists are not fantasy nerds. That's ridiculous. Yes. Anyway. So it's just in this past year that I've started doing that same healing as well and being like, actually, this is a really big part of me mm-hmm. and I can't actually be myself as an artist. Like I'm a human, I'm not a brand. Yeah. And these are part of my humanity. Like it might seem silly to you. It's like really serious to me. Like it's, yeah. these were my friends when I didn't have yes. friends and yes. they're really important to me. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how I felt about all of like Tolkien's universe, everything he created, because I still remember very clearly. So growing up, we used to get all of our books from the thrift store. So <laughs> a lot of the books that even people were reading my age, I, I didn't have access to because my books came from last chance thrift store on Mondays, half price off day. So <laughs> the books that were available there were... Sweet Valley High, Babysitter's Club, Lord of the Rings, Chronicles of Narnia, and they were all already read. That was like, that That was most of my introduction to reading. And that was like, so I, I was born in 1990. So I, I feel like it was like, it was like whatever, like Gen X kids were, books were getting sent to the thrift store. <laughs> Those were the ones that I ended up with. So, <laughs> but, so yeah, I ended up... <laughs> Yes. There's something in this generational, I don't know if it's an autism thing or a social class thing, but I yeah. feel like I relate so much more to the Gen X on so many things. And also yes. I had an older sister, I had all these hand-me-downs. Uh-huh. And so mm-hmm. like I experienced the eighties during the nineties and the nineties yes. just swept past. Same, 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 same. <laughs> I'm, I don't even know what to say. Cause I'm like exact same experience. Wow. Like me and my sister were like super into Cabbage Patch dolls, like like mm-hmm. 80s kids were. <laughs> so yes, it was 
Oh, yeah. So I remember getting like some 80s edition of Fellowship of the Ring. And I was mm -hmm. so surprised. It was my first time seeing maps in a book. And mm. I was like, hold on. This place doesn't exist, but there's a map for it? What? So I became obsessed with like fantasy worlds. Like that was, oh, mm. everything was a portal. Like everything. So obviously Chronicles Narnia is another famous example with the wardrobe and everything. So that was just like, yeah, and I'm still in that. I feel like I'm still in that phase of just like, everything is an entrance into something else. <laughs> and I love that. I just... <laughs> and in the UK, travel... oh. they have like all these magic little doors, like, cause it's such an old country um, that I always felt like there was some little magic land, like through a little gate or a little door. <laughs> little cabinet or cupboard or something yes yes that was oh my goodness I always I, I was convinced that like our house had like a secret passageway in it somewhere I was like we just haven't found it I was like it's gotta be harder <laughs> I was like it's gotta be it didn't make any sense for there to be one but we didn't have a basement like no I'm like no there's got there, there's a secret passage in here so yeah, I was very into that. And yeah, by the time I got to my early 20s and out of college, I really think the leave off point was I took an Inklings class in college and it was all about C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and and their whole crew. And I felt like that was like my goodbye in a way. It's, it's like sad as that sounds. Like I was like, well, that was fun. Like I enjoyed mm. that. But now I've got to figure out what's the grown-up version of this you know what's the what's the grown-up version of being creative being an artist so yeah it was it was a, a wild ride of just like you said like feeling like I had to take off parts of myself and I and I appreciate you for saying it that way because I think sometimes even the word masking doesn't even quite fully fully explain what it feels like because it's it's like sometimes it doesn't even feel like you're covering up it feels like you're just like actually leaving that part of yourself behind and then it's a matter of like retrieving it and saying yeah I don't know what I'm gonna do with you yet but I'm bringing you back like we're gonna yeah. we're going I to remember this part of me mm -hmm. and it's yeah, funny I'm, like I'm having a lot of those moments it bubbles up too like you try and you try it's the limb that you cut off and it grows back like your mm -hmm. work is there's a really strong theme of maps there is. in your work <laughs> there is like it's there. it is it is so wild okay from an aesthetic I've never I've never talked I'm so glad you brought that up because <laughs> from an aesthetic standpoint there is so much world building and fantasy in my artwork and urban fantasy in my artwork that it was I was I was like it's it's always been, like I've been bringing it back all this time so I just find that so cool because I was like, I wasn't even conscious of it, but now I can even look at things I was making like two years ago and I'm like, no, I remember specifically wanting those to look like tree roots going up towards the sky and neon lights being wrapped around them. I'm like, nobody may see that unless I explain mm. it that way. But I was like, no, that's, I was thinking that way the whole time. So yeah, it's, it's been very exciting to go back, go back and look at that. And, you know, I, I also just, I also think like being a parent is be is motivating of that too, because I'm like, I want my child to like 
grow up and have as little of that as possible. Like as little of like, okay, it's time to grow up now. It's like Mm. life is serious enough. Like there's enough very serious things to worry about. Um, So we have to be thinking about like our mental health, our physical health and, and the things that bring us joy and keep us alive and keep us wanting to to create change and find hope so it's like you can't cut that stuff off like that's the good stuff like you you need to bring that stuff forth and who says the change can't come from these fantasy stories that we love Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of good themes in there we need to get people out of their grown-up jobs and reading fantasy books and exactly maybe we would be in a better world exactly it's like yeah why it's like making up languages I like thinking about that a lot Mm. because I'm just like there's it's like we could make up new words y'all like it's like we can add some more like why not like what is stopping us you know that's not just for the young kids to do on tiktok like no we can we can make up stuff we can come up with new ideas why not let's go where do we think words came from you know some of these people have not studied shakespeare Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm exactly so yeah it's just like it's it's not set in stone we're not writing on stone anymore we're actually writing on white screens where there's plenty of room to backspace light right yeah exactly (laughs) it's not like one one chisel and stone that we're all passing around like okay we got to decide on what our 100 words are uh it's like no we can let's make some stuff up and i've even been realizing that allowing myself to get back into that more it's like it does inform reality because it's like if you're so so focused on okay, what's practical, what's practical, what's practical, sometimes you can still miss stuff. Like you could still miss possibilities because you only have what's in front of you. So if you just like shoot to the moon real quick (laughs) and just say like, okay, let's just forget all that and just imagine anything or, you know, let's just intentionally enter into fiction, intentionally come up with scenarios and, and then bring that back. So yeah. I'm I'm really interested in seeing where that takes me. I've been I've been writing down some fiction ideas just for fun. I'm like I don't I don't know, you know, what's going to happen with them, but I'm enjoying the process of imagination. I'm enjoying keeping that in front of me and I'm like that's definitely something that I want to pass on and and share with others cuz it's it makes a difference. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in 2020, I did a reread of a bunch of my like really old books, like the Chronicles of Perdane and um, the Tamora Pierce books with, with yeah. like the Alana and Lady Cal, mm-hmm. the Lady Knight books, and all those. And then I don't know if you've ever read The Wheel of Time. I haven't. That was like my equivalent to how you feel about Tolkien. I like I mm-hmm. love The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. I got spoiled on The Lord of the Rings. In a children's biography, I'm still, I'm still mad about this. So like, it was a middle grade, you know, those little cheap little yes, thin Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Where yep. the font is like huge. Yep. The mm-hmm. reading level is so much lower than the Lord of the Rings, like mm-hmm. really low. So I felt yeah. really safe to read this bio yes. and it was of Tolkien. But then it says what happens at the very end oh, of the very third book. Why would they on a do certain that? mountain? And I was so mad because at the time, like I loved The Hobbit. 
I love the Fellowship of the Ring. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah, the two towers is a bit of a slog. Like there's a lot of walking and walking. And so I'm reading this book and it's walking and walking and walking. And suddenly I find out what happens at the end. I'm like, forget it. So I'm actually, it's like my secret shame that I've never (laughs) finished the Lord of the Rings. I love the movies. No, no, that is one day I'll go back and read it. But like, what were they thinking? They were not. They were like, oh, these kids aren't going to read it. We'll just tell them what happened. I don't know if somebody definitely no. didn't didn't think about that. So yeah. anyway, I I did start with Tolkien and then I went yeah. to The Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan. And it's like a TV show I'm right now. I'm going to check that out. Um, it's, it's long and chunky and really, really, I love the world building in that. And, it, and maps, so many maps. Um, yes if you read it or watch the show or anything I have to know yeah um, because you know. that those are the books that like I read in my teenage years and I feel like they're like etched into my bones mm. and the author actually passed away and he was like like before he finished and so he like on like basically his deathbed as he had this disease was telling his wife who's his editor and his like his assistant like all these details of the story so someone could pick up the pieces and finish Mm. it yeah and that's uh brandon sanderson finished the wheel of time wow and so he wrote that's cool yeah i've been wanting to get into every i'm not into i haven't read anything of his so that's gonna be interesting all right that would be a great place to start so yeah um i mean it's long (laughs) if you're ready for a commitment because it's like 14 books they're like a thousand pages a piece for the most part but it's so immersive I'm and so by it yeah the title um, i'm really intrigued the wheel of time so anyway i lost touch with the fandom like that was like i didn't i didn't i literally did not have friends my age in high school like i was homeschooled so i didn't even have like acquaintance same. kind of maybe pretend friends. no same same yeah <laughs> um so anyway these sister. characters were my friends and I had a sister too well I have two but one was like 14 years older than me so she was like a second mom yeah so anyway these books are like really important to me and then like obviously the author died and I kind of like had to put it aside but like in high school I logged on to the fan sites every morning and like those were that was the place I fit in was Mm -hmm. like geeking out about these books but also we'd talk about other things yeah and so I disconnected from that community and then like Brandon came in he finished the books but I didn't ever really plug in because the site that I used to go to didn't exist anymore Mm. and when it became a tv show which I'd always thought like there's no way they can make it a tv show because of course in the 90s you couldn't even imagine what's happened with tv and movies like you couldn't even envision this stuff they make now I was like it's way too complex no one could ever do it Mm -hmm. and so when they announced it I was kind of like I don't want to get too excited about it because it's probably yeah. going to be bad because yeah. it's so important to me. Like I, I don't want it to be bad and it was actually really good. Um, I can't tell you why, but there's a really helpful framing in the story for this is a slightly different version. So like mm. it helped me to be like, okay, this isn't my wheel of time, but it is a mm. wheel of time. Yeah. And there are yeah. some similarities there. So with the show came a resurgence in the community in the wheel of time fandom and i started watching this youtube channel called the dusty wheel 
And like every Wednesday, they would come on, they would talk about deep dives in the books, talk about the show. And I I would literally get physical, like warm, fuzzy feelings like these are my people. Like, how did I forget that Mm. this is where I belong? Meanwhile, like I have been really struggling to like connect with the local community here like I feel like I have to work so hard to make friends and so hard to connect in these neurotypical settings and like so anyway that was like in 2020 I had reread the wheel of time and Mm -hmm. then I watched the show and I've reconnected I kind of just watched this fandom for like the last two or three years and like I finally like made an account and started like just a lurking and then a little bit posting and last month like you just said your grad program is the first thing you've done for yourself I went to a wheel of time convention I like I actually won the ticket or I wouldn't have done it what and it was not a marketing it was from a fan I'm watching this live show and they usually give away a mug and they I thought I was entering to win a mug and it was a ticket to this wheel of time convention in Ohio Oh my! By the goodness. fans for the fans. This community is so wow. like inclusive and diverse, and like so. I went there thinking, "Wow, I haven't traveled since before COVID. I think I'm gonna. This is gonna be exhausting." And actually, like, I think that's the first time I've not masked like that. I could show up as my whole self without leaving my <laughs> leg in the hotel room. And like, it was amazing. Like I came, I came home and when my husband asked me how it was, I just cried. Like, and so I made this, I made like a video to tell the community how important it was and thank them. And it felt mm-hmm. like, like ripping my heart out of my chest and just holding it up for everyone to see. Cause I just started crying, like how important it was, how much belonging, like I've never felt like I belonged in a group of people like that. I could like go up to anyone and they were like a friend I hadn't met yet and this was something that I told myself I didn't have time for and that wasn't important and so I'm like it's it sounds ridiculous but like it it changed my life like I've come back and I'm like okay I've got to make time these are my people sure it's kind of about the wheel of time it's kind of not it's it's like finding your people and like I've got to make time to show up for the for the live streams and like just hang out with people and like I think I'm going to start a wheel of time podcast and like I'm cutting off some of this stuff that I was doing that was marketing my art and my own writing forget that like I'm just going to do what I love to do I'm like I'm getting so emotional just hearing this (laughs) I'm like I'm so happy for you because I'm like as you're saying that I'm like first of all you deserve that like you deserve that so much. And like, you were meant to win that ticket. And I'm so glad you did. Cause like you said, you wouldn't have gone, you wouldn't have gone like, and, and wow, it's, I had it on a smaller scale. I, and what you just said, I, that gives me something to look forward to. Cause I'm, I'm starting to gear up that way with fiction again. I'm like, I forgot how much I love books. Mm. And I got to go to um essence fest in july which is it's like a essence is a it's a black lifestyle magazine and they put on 
um they have all these different events within the event and they did like an essence author so it was like it was like black authors um like they would bring in and for some reason somebody said oh let's bring morgan in and i was like okay um, so um and i mean i was only in that little booth for like maybe two or three hours my most unmasked self <laughs> in that black authors event and i got to talk with people who just love books and in that setting most of us hadn't even read the same books like we were just like going back and forth like exchanging recommendations like oh, read this and it was just like we were all on the same page like talking rapid fire like and it was just i was like oh, this is what i've been needing and if mm -hmm. i had not been asked to come i don't i wouldn't have known to go so i'm so glad that i had that chance because it was just enough of an inkling to know like yeah keep pulling on that like keep pulling on that thread like it's not and, and i'm also doing the same thing that you said about like taking some of that off taking some of the other things off and i mean i'm not saying that i'm never I'm still writing nonfiction, but even just the way that I, I approach it now is totally different. And even the things that I'm just being inspired by and the things that I'm following and subscribing to, like I used to listen to a world building podcast and I used to, and I just stopped because I was like, I guess I got to listen to a marketing podcast. Mm. I'm like, no, I'm going back to my world building podcast. Yes. I'm like, I love that podcast so much. I'm going to see if they have a Patreon. I'm going all in because I love world building. I love it so much. So I'm like, I don't, I, I do marketing when I have to, but I don't love yeah. marketing so much. Like I love world building. I can just, I can talk about it for hours. So I'm just learning how to do more of that. And, and it's like, and it's making me realize it's like, you know, maybe, maybe that's like how I'm growing is like, I'm, I'm realizing that it's better to spend time on like the things that actually help energize me and give me mm. the courage and, and make me feel like I belong. And then that's, what's going to equip me for the other stuff instead of like immersing myself all the time in the other stuff where I don't feel like I'm naturally fitting in, or I don't feel like I naturally belong and I have to mask and over mask. Um, so spending time on that stuff and it's, it feels risky, but you know, like you just said, that was such a, oh, thank you for sharing that. Like that gave me so much hope. I'm just like, okay, I feel like I'm on the right page. This is a, a great way to go. Yeah, so, we've oh. got to do it. Um, yes. I just realized we've been talking for an hour. So I don't know how, oh. are you good on time? <laughs> yeah, I am. I hadn't even okay. looked at the time. <laughs> you probably oh go a little goodness. bit longer, but like, it just goes really fast it, because it's so easy, which is not how I normally find things. So yes. um, I appreciate you making time for this today. And um, of course. let's see, I feel like, there was like there were a hundred different conversations and all of that that we could follow. But I think the thing for like what you just were talking about was like monitoring energy levels. And I think mm -hmm. that's the one of the big changes for me as well is that I thought too, like one of the things I thought is that video itself was a big energy drain for me. Mm -hmm. And what I've realized it's video when I'm masking. Mm -hmm. that's extra 
draining. Wow. <laughs> because yep. I'm I made this video for the Wheel of Time fandom and I sat out here and I cried my eyeballs out, but I didn't feel like I was zapped of social energy mm-hmm. because I was just talking to people that I could be myself with. And so mm-hmm. like I know there's layers too. There's like some of it is me just like telling myself I have and there's like a lot of perfectionism tied up in that for me like I have to present this in a certain way to be professional and like yeah putting way too much pressure on like what clothes I'm wearing and how I sit and like I left the air conditioner on today because otherwise I'll be miserable out here Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but there was a time I would have turned that off because it would have ruined the sound quality Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes I am 100% with you on that I've realized that too for instance, one thing I've observed is like, you know, when it comes to masking, my face where I am at least consciously aware that I'm masking the least, I will get asked. I will get asked, what's wrong? What's wrong? Mm-hmm. So I've learned to ugh, to just hide it so much and like force a smile. And I, mm-hmm. I know exactly where to put my eyebrows and exactly where the crease in my mouth goes, it starts to become more natural where I'm probably going to be asked in five minutes or, or 30 seconds, what's wrong? Is everything okay? So, you know, and to me, I'm like, yeah, even if the person is well-meaning, it's still just a lot of pressure on, on my mm. physical body. So yeah, that's a, a really good point. And, and that's actually why I've been doing less video because I realized that the way that the energy that it takes to put on the face Mm. um, and wear the face and do that. It's like, I can be putting that energy into other things that, that it's just like, yeah, I'm not going to have time for, for the video part of it. And And, yeah, yeah. the energy level. Yeah. And I like, yeah, I hope this doesn't come across in the wrong way because I know lots of people love video and are great at video. And I watch lots of videos. I have nothing against video or you know anything that's filmed. But one thing I, I am starting to be very mindful of is that film and video, it's not ancient. So it's like, it actually hasn't been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. So I'm like, maybe in some ways that is, you know, there is like an adapting that that humans have learned to do to even be on video and be on video on a regular basis yeah and if those can do it that's great and if they're able to present and you know come up with a character and and like my sister's one of those people like you it's like camera action she's got like 12 characters ready to go (laughs) um and there's plenty of neurodivergent people who can do that but it's like regardless i think of your neurodivergence if you're feeling like ah i don't feel like can't, I can't make myself do the camera thing like everyone else. It's like, that's not, that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. Like there's lots of other ways to connect with people that don't have to involve that. And I think that's even more important if you're masking and you're feeling it wearing you down. So yeah, I'm hundred percent on that. I'm just like, I get around to the video thing when I get around to it. So <laughs> yeah. Like what is worth the energy drain and what mm-hmm. isn't? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I could talk to you for hours, but my husband has to go back to work. So understood. <laughs> um, I feel like yes. we've just been having a chat, but as this is a podcast, would you like to plug something, tell people where to find you, all that good stuff? Yes. Yes. So I am Morgan Harper Nichols on Instagram. You can also find me on Substack and 
spending more time there. And I also have an app called Storyteller, and it's on Android and Apple, where I share my art and poetry and all that good stuff. So yes, that's me, Morgan Harper Nichols. And your books. Oh, yes. And yes. <laughs> and Morgan, Har- I feel like MorganHarperNichols.com. I know my name's kind of long, but MorganHarperNichols.com. I have links to the books and the app and all that stuff that I just mentioned. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Thanks for listening to Neurodivergent Space Time. I would love to hear from you. So if you want to jump in the conversation over at Substack, I'd love to hear what you resonated with. If you would like to support the podcast, the best way is to share with a friend. And the second best way is to pledge on Substack, which helps me to offer transcription services and to fund the creation of neurodiversity affirming resources, some of which you can find linked down in show notes below. And if you'd like to connect on Instagram, you can find me at Sarah D. Schatz. Until next time.